0: Back here on the nosebleed section, talk some NBA draft. We talk about the Blackhawks and their off-season transactions, looking to lock up Jonathan Taze and Jonathan Kane or Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays. I beg your pardon. Also, talked about the World Cup, of course. The United States men's national team set to take on Belgium in the knockout round on Tuesday. And now it's time to sh- talk about the Chicago Cubs. I mean. Not quite as successful as the three topics that we've talked about before, but hey, we'll talk about them anyway, and we're excited to welcome in one of our new writers, it's Andrew Barrett, who's going to be writing a weekly column about the Chicago Cubs. He's a Chicago sports aficionado, and we're happy to have him on, we're happy to have him join the Nosebleed Section Sports Family. Andrew, thanks for joining us, how you doing? Hey,
1: thanks for having me on, I appreciate it, Connor.
0: Yeah, let's talk some Cubs baseball. Let's dive right into it. I saw an article today, actually, uh, about Anthony Rizzo, and one columnist, he argued that he could possibly, right now, I mean, he's a young guy. People are saying he has the potential to be the best first baseman in in Major League Baseball, but somebody wrote right now he is the best first baseman in Major League Baseball. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well... I don't know if I would say right now he's the best first baseman. I think you're seeing that he has a tremendous upside. Uh, he's still a young guy, still figuring out you know how to play in the major leagues. Uh, after he struggled last year, there was actually a lot of debate, even if he would be the starting first baseman for the Cubs in many years to come. But he's a tremendous first half. I don't know if I'd go so far as he's the best first baseman in the league right now, but he's performing well, he's hitting the ball out of the park, As a Cubs fan, you gotta be excited for it. You know, maybe three, four years down the road, he's the best first baseman, but definitely had a very good bounce back season and he's gonna have a lot more great years on the north side for us.
0: Well, the great thing is that he's hitting left-handed pitchers well, too. Last year, that was sort of his downfall, sort of his demise, and why he struggled so mightily. Guys in the 6th, 7th, and 8th inning, they were calling on their lefty specialists, and he just looked baffled every single time he, st- he stepped into the plate. But he sort of figured it out. He sort of exercised those demons. And also Starlin Castro, a guy that has performed well after... I mean, hitting 245 last season. So it's good to see those two core guys step back up and and, and perform well for the Cubs this season. But you wrote it in your uh, article earlier this week for Nosebleed Section Sports. Starting pitching for the Cubs has not been bad. And, and Jeff Samarja is, is the guy... Uh, that gets talked about all the time. He's the potential trade piece. Still trying to work out a contract with him potentially. But a guy that's flown under the radar is Jake Arrieta, a good young righty. Uh, he he almost took a perfect game into the seventh inning against the Reds the other night. He's slowly climbed to a 4-1 and record with a 2.05 ERA. Where do you think this guy falls into the future plans for the Cubbies?
1: Well, they're really high on this guy. Um I think once Jeff Samarja gets traded, and it's, at this point it's not an if, but it's a when. He's going to get traded. He's going to be he's the number one guy. It's going to be him and Travis Wood leading the team. He's a few years younger than Samarja, which is always nice, but he's got lights out stuff. Uh, I know when he used to play uh, over in Baltimore, they were really concerned about his control issues, but it seems like pitching coach Chris Bozzio has kind of got a lot of that under control, and he... He's the kind of guy that can throw a hitter on any night. He just has that kind of stuff. You know, they're really going to be looking to lock him up. And him, as of now, it seems that next year it's going to be him and Travis Wood as the the one-two pitchers going in. But, again, for the little amount of time we've seen him play, you know, we've hurt coming into this year. He's performed extremely well. He's kind of had maybe a few towards the end of last season and some start this year. His control issues were a little bit hectic but it seems as though once he can control that he's got him and Anthony Rizzo are just tremendous upside and again I mean he lives in the Scott Feldman deal so who who would have thought that you know a guy that they signed for 1 year 6 million dollars would have would have gotten Jake Arrieta in return it It's really fun to see the plan kind of starting to come together.
0: Absolutely. Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein have to be thrilled that they were able to flip Scott Feldman and bring this guy into the Cubs rotation. Andrew Barrett's our guest here in the Nosebleed section. He joins us via the Illinois Center for Broadcasting hotline. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at abarrett620. Another guy that was acquired in the trade uh, I believe it was the Matt Garza deal, was Mike Olt. He spent some time in AAA last season. He made the roster, the 25-man opening day roster this year, but he struggled mightily. It's it's sort of been Jekyll and Hyde with him. It's either he's hitting the ball out of the ballpark or he's striking out. I mean, 10 home runs, 25 RBIs, leading all National League rookies right now, but his average has sunk to 145 what do you think the future holds for this guy with prospects like Chris Bryant that pl- that also plays third base behind him in the organization?
1: Well, uh, coming over in the Garza deal last year, it looked like a steal. Honestly, uh, he was one of their number one prospects in the Rangers system. He had vision issues, which was kind of led to his poor play in the Rangers system, and when he was brought over to Chicago, everyone he swore everyone thought that the vision issues were behind him. So. We don't know. Maybe those issues are still lingering. Hopefully, honestly, for the Cubs' sake, they are because if he's struggling this much and he's 100% healthy, things are not going to be looking good. Uh, He's shown that he has the power to hit it out of the ballpark. You know, if he can hit for average, you know, I'm not, they're not asking for him to hit 300 and have 400 on base percentage, similar to what Rizzo's doing. But if he can be productive in the lineup, that's what they're looking for. But with Chris Bryant, keep hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Even Luis Sabuena at the major league level is playing well. He's going to have a tough time playing for the north side for a long time. But again, he's a young kid. This is his first full year in the major leagues. We saw it with Rizzo. We saw it with Castro. We saw their struggles. Maybe he can turn it around this offseason, get a little bit healthier. Uh, But again, if he's continuing to perform like he is, he's not going to have a very bright future for Chicago.
0: Well, yeah, you, as as a Cubs guy, you you learn to be optimistic, so you want to hold out hope <laughs> for this guy because he was one of the best prospects in the minor leagues for the Texas Rangers before those vision issues. I believe his eyes actually dried up, so it was almost like he was blinking every single time the ball was coming towards home plate, something that sounds very tough to deal with, but we've been talking about prospects forever now, it seems like, with the Chicago Cubs. When are we going to see a winner on the north side? And it seems like that target year is next year and then 2016 as well. When does losing become too much for this team? When is it time to start bringing up the likes of Javi Baez and Chris Bryant?
1: Well, it's a very good question. It's a question that I myself have asked many times, a lot of Cubs fans have asked. I don't think you're going to see a lot of these guys coming up this season. Uh, the, the rosters expand to 40 in September, but I don't think you're going to see Chris Bryant or Javier Baez or anything like that, and they're doing that for control issues. If they keep them in the minor leagues for this whole year, they get another year before free agency with Chris Bryant. At this point, it's still the waiting game. Uh, I, you're going to see them all called up to spring training, though. And so that's where a lot of the magic is going to happen. This offseason and into spring training, when Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, when they're actually fighting for a roster spot. They were never really had a chance for a roster spot this spring training. They were just kind of brought up to have them feel out what's going on. But next year is when you're going to see a lot of them come up. Injuries are going to play a lot into what's going on. Jorge Soler and Albert Elmora, two of the Cubs' biggest prospects, They've struggled with injuries, and they really haven't been able to progress this season as much as the front office would like. So they might have been pushed back a couple months, but again, I I think you're really going to be seeing a lot of these guys up. On opening day, you should be seeing Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. Throughout the the year next year, you might be seeing some more guys come up. September call-ups will be big, but... Honestly, I don't think the Cubs are going to be looking to lose next year. I think that if they can get back up to five hundred with half their prospects coming up, signing some free agents, it's going to be looking like a more of a competitive year next year. But, again, these prospects are similar to what Rizzo and Castro did. They're not going to come up and hit 40 home runs every year. They're going to come up, and they got, they got to get their feet wet. So, 2015, you're going to see them in the major leagues. But look for 2016 and 2017 to when they're really starting to do some damage.
0: Andrew Barrett's our guest here on the nosebleed section on SportstownChicago.com. We talk about these prospects, but something that's often overlooked is the role models that they have to develop. Sometimes you need those veteran players, sometimes you need a veteran coach to push these guys along into a successful major league career. Theo Epstein. He went out, he talked to Manny Ramirez, he's getting him into Chicago. He's going to Iowa, AAA, to be a player coach to try to work with the likes of Javi Baez and Chris Bryant and, and spread his knowledge a little bit. Are you opposed to this, or do you like the move by the front office?
1: I like the move. Uh, Theo said that Manny's a changed man. Uh, changed or not, the guy can hit. Uh, steroids, I know there's many different allegations. His character issues been in question but you know at this point in his career he's an older guy he's he's not going to be called up to the major leagues he can relate to Javier Baez and Chris Bryant and these younger guys you're learning from one of the best hitters that's ever played in the major leagues and I know some people might cringe at that because of the steroid allegations but the, the, the guy can hit and that's who you really want to be looking up to you know as, as younger kids We watched Manny Ramirez play for Boston. They watched Manny Ramirez. To now learn from a guy who has been there and who has gone through the, the problems that he has in his career, it's definitely something to learn because a lot of guys learn from coaches that have never experienced these issues that he has. But in today's baseball, these are issues that come up almost daily steroid allegations, character issues. It's something that, unfortunately, has plugged the game. And Manny Ramirez has been there, and he's experienced it. He's done that. So, yeah, it's going to be great even for hitting-wise and for experience-wise, but it's also going to be great for when times get tough, he's going to be the guy that can lend his hand out and say, hey, I've been here, let me help you, let me pick you up. You know, I don't really foresee him being in the comp system too long, but I think that if him and Baez and Omora and all those guys can get close with him, he can definitely be a mentor 15 years down the road.
0: Absolutely. I, I, I do like what you're saying. The only one problem I had with it was with Chris Bryant performing so well right now, it's almost like a, a guy when he's throwing a no-hitter... The manager tends not to talk to his guys. It's almost with Chris Bryant. It's it's, In my opinion, I thought, you know, just let him do his thing. He's tearing up AA. Now he's tearing up AAA. Just sort of let him be on his own and keep doing what he's doing. But I think definitely with some of the other prospects, he could be a valuable asset in the minor league system for the Cubs. But speaking of prospects, Andrew, before we let you go here, The NBA draft took place last night. The Bulls selected Doug McDermott in a trade with the Denver Nuggets at number 11. What are your thoughts on this guy? Do you think he's going to be a formidable NBA player?
1: Uh, I I really was was excited for the Bulls getting Doug McDermott. Um, They were really high on him coming into the draft, and they had to give up two picks for him. I know a lot of people were upset that they traded away Gary Harris, who was still on the board, the uh, shooting guard from Michigan State, was still on the board at 19, but I like him. He, the kid can flat out score. Uh, and that's something the bulls need. He's a sharp shooter, six foot eight, you know, 200 over 200 pounds. He, he averaged seven rebounds a game. Also, um, I liked it for two reasons. He knows how to put the ball in the basket. And that's something that the bulls have lacked. And also they got rid of the two picks that they needed to get rid of. So, that clears up a lot of cap space, so that signals to me that the Bulls think that they are in serious contention to sign a Carmelo Anthony. Again, we saw that in 2010, so who knows if it's going to come about. But that pick showed me that, yeah, we know that we have to fix some problems with our own roster right now, but it's also telling me that they're also going to be clearing up cap space in the next week or two to, to make a big run at Carmelo Anthony, which I know is for Bulls fans is pretty exciting.
0: Well, we had Mitch Robinson on earlier in the show, one of our other writers with the nosebleed section, and he compared him to Kyle Korver, a very valuable asset for the Bulls, back when they were making their conference finals run uh, a couple years ago, so I thought that was a very interesting comparison that I hadn't heard before.
1: Those Creighton guys, too, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Also, I'm interested to see how uh, mid-major success turns into NBA success, but Andrew, thanks for joining us, talking some Cubs baseball and some Bulls basketball as well. We'll be sure to have you on the show as the summer continues.
1: Thanks for having me on, Connor. I appreciate it.